Okay, so Mr. Gregory brought to my attention today, we have a little bit of a British invasion going on today. So starting that British invasion will be uh, Mr. Mark McGarvey coming forward and his message is entitled, I am the light of the world. Good afternoon, chaps. <laughs> and I've got to make this first comment, like, like Matt tends to mention, not me, okay? This is just in quotations, right? <laughs> Let's get that out there. So obviously by the title, I am the light of the world, um, from, uh, okay. Um, it's found in John 8, 12. So let's go straight away to that scripture. John chapter 8 and verse 12. John 8 and verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So what did Jesus mean when he said, I am the light of the world. What significance did it have in his teaching, his ministry? Um, what does it mean to us? And how do we fit into this statement? Now, it's one of the seven I am statements that Jesus made, and I think they're all covered in the book of John. Um, I am the bread of life. I am the door of the sheep, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth and the life, I am the true vine, and I am the light of the world. One of the seven I am statements that Jesus made both, and of course also making sure he has that I am at the start of each one, um, which brings into his divinity, that he is the great I am. So let's look at this verse again though here, John 8 verse 12. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That is what we strive to do daily, isn't it? Follow Christ. Go after him. Obey him. Heed him. Follow his example. Believe believe that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Chosen One. If we follow him, we will not walk in darkness. Because there is no darkness in him. Or around him. He is our brilliant light, shining through the darkness of this world. And his brilliant light leads to eternal life. The subject of light is not only found in the words of Jesus, um, in the Gospels, but it's also mentioned at the start of the Bible, in Genesis, and, uh, <clears throat> and goes right through to the conclusion of the Bible in the book of Revelation. So, with that in mind, let's begin that uh, kind of, you know, mini-study and look at that. Genesis chapter 1 and verses 3 through 5. Genesis 1 and verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. 
God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So the earth was without form and void, as it says back in verse 2. Um, so it was dark, it was dark, and he commanded there to be light. He created light. He created our sun, provided the light for us, for planet Earth, and put, it, put Earth in its orbit, you know, perfect 93 million miles from Earth. Um, you know, to give the temperature that's just right for humans to exist on planet Earth. <clears throat> and there in verse, uh, let's see, what verse was there? Verse 4, and God saw the light that it was good. By declaring it good, he gives it his blessing. So here is the connection to the book of John, you see, verses 3 through 5. Um, God created the light. The world needs the light to keep going, to exist. Without the light, um, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of physical animals would suffer, including ourselves, would not be 100%. Plant life, trees, everything needs that light. I mean, the world could exist, I'm not sure for how long, but not long. We need that light from the sun. So, Christ came to earth and became the spiritual light of the world. He became the spiritual light of the world. The world needs light and the light of the universe came to earth and brought them on the people of Israel, Judah, 2,000 years ago. So, let's jump back forward, sprint back forward, back to the book of John. And we will look at John chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. John chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So these first few verses of John explain God the Son who became Jesus Christ was the creator of the universe, and through him all things were made. In him was life. Life wasn't created in him. Because he has always existed. So he, he exudes life. Life emanates from him, and always has. The light and Life and light, which are so much stronger than darkness and death, which exude Satan. So here in verse 5, we see that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So, what does that mean? Well, there's a little excerpt here in my study Bible about that one verse, verse 5. The word translated, quote, the word translated comprehend can mean one to take hold of, two, to overpower, or three, to understand. Therefore, 
this verse may mean that darkness did not positively take hold of or understand the light, or that darkness did not negatively overcome the light. Both, straight, both statements are true. Humans did not appropriate or understand the light, nor did they overtake or overpower it. Although Satan and his forces resist the light, they cannot thwart its power. So when Lucifer was cast out from God's presence and became Satan the devil, he became an angel of darkness, um, of evil, and he and his demons embraced that darkness. They can use it to, to hide, to deceive. And when we have a world that is spiritually blind, they can't discern between good and evil, wrong, you know, right and wrong, or what's worse, how some people will just know what they're doing is wrong or bad, but they'll do it anyway because it will make them rich, give them a temporary high, or empower them. So as we read in John chapter 1, verse 5, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness did not comprehend the light. Satan has been prowling the earth for millennia, looking to deceive as many as he can, even the elect he can. But his power pales in comparison against the light and power of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived and walked the earth for about 33 years, but the power and light he created and showed us back then, 2,000 years ago, never dimmed, nor will it. So for all of Satan's little gains he makes here and there, he will never extinguish the light that is in Jesus Christ. And the good news is we have been called into that glorious light. We have access to that light. I know it gets hard sometimes to look past the headlines in the news or online. You know, the story this past week, the man killed his ex-wife, her current boyfriend, and her two, two uh, parents. And then over the Middle East, you've got ISIS, you know, killing Christians left, right, and center in Iraq and Syria. Then will there be a nuclear war with North Korea or China? Rocket man, as uh, Trump calls him. You just don't know, you know, but these are the times of wars and rumors of wars. <clears throat> but we take this day of rest today, the Sabbath day, to get away from it all, don't we, you know, and think and reflect on the word of God. Come here, be amongst our family, our friends, and just think and reflect on the word of God. Jesus Christ is the source of spiritual light the only source. Jesus is calling us, has called us. He wants us to have a relationship with him. Talk to him. His arms are open. He wants you to become part of the God family. As it says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the part I want to concentrate on the last half of the, the 
the, uh, the verse, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, he is long-suffering. He's patient. He will fulfill his promise. And among those promises is to return. He will return. You know, there's a reason you're here today. There's a reason you've been coming here for years. God has called you out from this world, this world of darkness, and as he is the light of the world, he wants us to shine our light, to follow his example, to emulate Christ. That's a tall order, I know. And we need to help others see the light that is Christ Jesus. Go back to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 and 6. 2 Corinthians, uh, let's see, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 6. Verses 3 through 6, sorry. Verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your, bon, your bond servants, for Jesus' sake. For it, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. As believers, we see the light and we follow the light. If we shine our light, maybe we can help others. Unbelievers to hop over that barrier that Satan puts around them. And then we pray that God works with them. You see, we have to be doers of the work, the word. Not only talk the talk, but walk the walk, the saying goes. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Steve's not here today, but he mentioned in his message, uh, Abraham's nephew Lot, um, that we live in this world, um, we can't help that, we have to deal with it. But I thought that was a strong point in the sense of, it is a tough world to live in, to raise your kids in. Um, and whether it's at work or, you know, for example at work, for years I've worked in the trucking industry and, you know, it can be hard to, as, as a, the other truck driver here in the room will know, it, it's, it's hard to, in a sense, shine your light in the sense that the people that you're around with sometimes, because the truck drivers it can be, uh, like construction workers, we can be that way, you know, we can talk that way. Um, potty mouth sometimes, but, you know. Um, but I try, you know, and I'm out there, I'm a freight driver. I deliver and pick up freight around the Tulsa area and surrounding 100 miles, I guess, but try and do what I can, you know. Um, it's tough in this world, but that's what we, that's what we have to do. We have to try. We have to give it a go. Life in general can be hard in this world, in the United States, 2017, you know, being a Christian. 
I mean, were by no means persecuted like the young Middle East, the Christians over there in Iraq and Afghanistan, Syria, China. You know, it's we do have it easier than those guys, but it's still not easy when you know you have the media, the press against you, and always talking negatively about Christians. Well, I personally ignore that the best I can. I know what I believe, and nobody's going to change my mind. So, in this increasingly dark world, if we follow Christ's example of shining our light, like his light shone so awesomely, it will please him. I go back to John again. John chapter 3, verses 18 through 21 this time. John 3, <clears throat> verses 18 through 21. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing the evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So, unfortunately, we can't save everyone. We can't help everyone. Some people just will not believe that there is a God, that Jesus Christ is. Son of God, and that he came to save the world. You know, they laugh it off. That's the stance of most atheists who actively defy God. And it just it bugs me, annoys me. You know, actively defying God and practicing, as it says in verses 19 and 20, practicing evil. You know, I, I took my son to see that movie last week, uh, Let There Be Light. Uh, just just a coincidence, I, might, I already had my title down, that movie came out, but actually I recommend it, it's pretty good. Um, I'm not giving away anything here in the, in the movie plot line, but it's about an atheist who has brought out books, um, his eight-year-old son who died in a car crash, I think, or something, but, and how his story of being a staunch atheist, like, uh, what's that British guy, um, Christopher, what's that guy's name, the atheist? Hitchens, yeah, that's it, yeah. Kind of a similar guy like him, a strong, staunch atheist who turns his life around and becomes a Christian, a true believer. But an interesting story, um, and I thought with all the negativity that you get in a lot of these stories these days coming out of Hollywood, it's just nice to see a story with a good message, good ending in the sense that it's hope. You know, um, you know with all the blood and gore and the violence and the and the sex that goes on coming out of Hollywood, it's good to have something completely different that has a nice Christian line running through it and a good story. Um, but, you know, many of the scribes and Pharisees lived to destroy Jesus. He raised people from the dead. You know, he miraculously healed people and spoke and taught the truth. But they were blind to his divinity. In their eyes, the Messiah wouldn't dine and drink with sinners, wouldn't talk to prostitutes. No, in their eyes, the Messiah would do this, this, and 
this. He doesn't fit that mold. He's not the Messiah. He can't be. He's a false prophet. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, completely blind to his divinity. Only someone who had the power of God working in them could resurrect anyone. Lazarus, for example, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, one of Jesus' closest friends. Dead four days. His body decaying in the tomb. And Jesus brought him back to life. Incredible. Skip forward a couple of chapters here in the book of John. John 12, verses 35 through 36. <clears throat> John 12, verses 35 through 36. Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. Verse 36. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. So while we have the light, walk in it. We must believe in the light. It protects us from the darkness. Christ's light empowers us. <clears throat> so we can defend his word. So we can speak up and defend our fellow brothers and sisters. So as I mentioned earlier, the narrative of light in the Bible runs from start to finish beginning in the book of Genesis, which we read earlier, where God created light from darkness. And the book of Revelation completes the Bible and mentions light there too. So let's go to that. And we've got two verses here in Revelation. Revelation 21 and verses 23 through 25. And I mentioned these, uh, these scriptures uh, or messages at the feast, um, but it's uh, very relevant and very important to read these, these verses often. Revelation 21, verses 23 through 25. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, there shall be no night there. And I thought that's, that's, that's the, a bit of an eye-catching piece there. The gates will never be shut. I mean, you think about it. This is the start of the, at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ and the start of the great white throne judgment. There's no need for the gates to be shut at all. This is a time now of unbelievable peace and happiness and prosperity. There's no need to shut any door anywhere, any house, any gate, anywhere. There's no need to. You know, because there is no more evil in the world. No more badness. It is a beautiful, peaceful world. No need to shut the gates. The glory of God will illuminate the new Jerusalem. There's no need for light. And the sun, the Lamb, Christ Jesus, is its light. 
There will be no night there because of the constant, dazzling, powerful light. And over in Revelation 22, just a few verses down the way, <clears throat> Revelation 22, verses 3 through 5, we read, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So, by being no night there, no need for a lamp or light from the sun, Christ fulfills his teaching and proclamation of himself as the light of the world. He fulfills it right there. <clears throat> the light that emanates from him will be so powerful that the light from the sun is not necessary. A truly awesome picture. As the line in the, the current Newsboys song says, there's nothing greater, nothing stronger, nothing higher than the name of Jesus. How true that is. Let us shine our light and imitate him as best we can because Jesus Christ truly is the light of the world.